Welcome to the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. What's up, Celebration Church? How are we doing this afternoon? Hey, man, I just want to start off by saying you guys came ready to party today. Man, worship was awesome. Come on, give yourselves a round of applause. Man, you guys came ready to worship God. Hey, as Nate said, my name is Justin Todd. I am the campus pastor here at our downtown uh, campus, and you are here on a very special day. As you've heard several times now, this is our five-year anniversary as a church here in Orlando. Come on, man. Can we put our hands together one more time? So many incredible things have happened over the last five years here at Celebration, uh, here in Orlando. Uh, We launched September 21st in 2014 right here in Howard Middle School. And, uh, man, actually on our launch Sunday, I had nothing to do with a microphone. I was actually an electric guitar player for like the first two years of the church, believe it or not. I got some skills, okay? Uh, No, there's a reason I'm not an electric guitar player anymore. There's people people who are better than me, but uh, hey... So many incredible things have happened over the last five years. Listen, just this, this year alone, in 2019, we've seen over 1,018 people make a decision for Jesus. And if I were to sit and talk about everything that God's done here at the church in the last five years, we would be here till next Sunday. And so, uh, man, I just want to share that with you guys. And, you know, we can't wait to see what God's going to do over the next five years. Uh, of Celebration Church, man, and uh, just thank you guys for being a part of this. Thank you guys for, uh, man, being a part of what God's doing here in Orlando. Pastor Keith and Pastor Megan, they really wish they could be here today, but they are actually in Zimbabwe, Africa uh, this weekend. They are preaching at all 18 campuses we have at our Zimbabwe church over in Africa. And so, uh, man, you put your hands together, 18, 18 campuses. Pastor Dixon and his wife uh, over there, they are doing an incredible work and is truly a move of God over there. But that's where Pastor Keith and Megan are. They're preaching at their church conference. They're doing some staff leadership development and and things like that. But they will be back next weekend. And uh, actually next weekend, Pastor Keith is going to be preaching and he's going to be sharing kind of where we're going as a church in the next five years, where we're going in 2020 and kind of sharing some vision and kind of some some heart for our church. And so make sure you're here next week. Weekend, but we're continuing in our series, The Exodus. Uh, this week, Pastor Keith spoke an incredible message last week called Perspective is Everything. And uh, he talked about how our filter determines our perspective. And instead of filtering life through our feelings, we need to filter it through our faith. And if you want to change your perspective, you first and foremost have got to change your filter. And so if you weren't here for that, go check it out on the iTunes podcast. You can check it out by downloading our app as well. But this week, we're continuing in our series by looking at the book of Joshua. We're going to look at the book of Joshua this morning. We're going to talk about a story that many of you already know. We're going to talk about the Battle of Jericho. And if you grew up a church kid, there was a song about the Battle of Jericho. Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho. 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 Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho. And the there's all my church weirdos. What up? What up, guys? I always like doing that because there's a song written about every story in the Old Testament if you grew up in the church. But um, let me just say this. We are in the book of Joshua, but our series is called Exodus. If you're wondering why we're not in the book of Exodus, know this. It's more than, this series is more than just about the book 
of Exodus. In fact, this is about the exodus of God's people from Egypt into the promised land. And this story takes place over several books in the Old Testament. And so we're going to be looking at the book of Joshua this morning. And it kind of give you some context of what has happened from last week's sermon to this week. It's now been 40 years. 40 years has passed, and the Israelites have now crossed over into the promised land. They have now crossed over into the land that God promised them. And actually, Israel is now under some new leadership. Moses, over the course of the last 40 years, has now passed away, but not before passing the torch on to a new leader by the name of Joshua. And so Joshua is the new leader. Now, let me just say this as a little leadership lesson, a little side note. Every good leader should have vision that should always precede him when he goes away. Every good leader should always be building someone up to carry the torch on, to carry the vision farther than they, than they ever could take it. Listen, you and I, we are all leaders. If we are followers of Jesus, we are all leaders. Maybe, maybe you're just a leader in a small group. Maybe you are a leader in your workplace, whatever it is. Maybe you're a manager, maybe whatever. You're all a leader in one way or in another. My question for you is who are you building up? Who are you investing into? Who is the person that you know, if tomorrow you were not in this position, this person could do a better job than you could, and they could take it farther than you ever could? Man, this is what we see Moses do. This is what we see Jesus do in the New Testament, and this is what you and I should be doing as well. This has nothing to do with my message. This is a freebie. This is a leadership freebie, okay? So write it down. We'll talk more about that later. Let me just say this. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Joshua chapter 6. Go ahead and open up to Joshua chapter 6. Where we're picking up this story, we find the Israelites, they're standing at the gates of Jericho. They're looking at the walls of Jericho. They're six stories high. This is a fortified city, and this is one of the first challenges they face when entering into the new promised land. And Joshua, just a little side note, he was a warrior long before he became the leader of the Israelites. He was a warrior. And so I can imagine, man, if, if I'm Joshua, I'm already beginning to formulate a plan. But where we pick up the story in verse 1, we see God gives some very specific instructions to Joshua. And y'all, we are going to be looking at about 20 verses today. So is it cool if we read some scripture this morning? Is it cool if we read the Bible this morning? You guys awake? Can you handle it? Awesome. If you don't want to read the Bible this morning... You are in the wrong place. So Joshua chapter 6 verse 1 says this. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Let me just say this. The people of Jericho knew about the God of the Israelites and they were fearful. Which is why the, the, the reputation of God had gone before the Israelites before they got there. And so this is why this city is fortified. No one went out, no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men, and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry, seven, carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up. And everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry the trumpets in front of it. And he, and he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead with the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. 
All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day that I tell you to shout. Then shout. So we had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord. And while the trumpets kept sounding, so on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. And they did all of this for six days. But on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in the house shall be spared. Because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and the gold and articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. Come on, man. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of today's message is called, All I Do Is Win. All I do is win. And everybody's hands went up. Some of you have no idea what that reference is about. It's cool. It's cool. It was cool like 10 years ago. Here we go. Title of today's message is called, All I Do Is Win. And we're going to be talking about, with God on our side, all you can do is win. And man, this message this morning, this is a message of good news. This should be an encouraging message for you. I, 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 kind, of, I kind of hesitate to say this. This is a feel-good message. A lot of times people are like, I don't want a church that gives me a feel-good message. Well, the gospel is good news. And so this is good news for you this morning that all you can do is win. God, I love the 12. You guys are awake. This is going to be great. This is going to be a good time. So this morning we're going to look at three things that you and I should remember when facing challenges in our life. Before we do, let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are, God. We thank you so much for the story that you've been writing here in Orlando through Celebration Church over the last five years, God. Lord, we thank you that we have got to be a part of what you're doing here, God. We thank you that we have got to see you move in a mighty way, Father. And Lord, we can't wait to see what you're going to do over these next five years here in Orlando through Celebration Church. And God, we pray over these next few moments that you would have your way. Jesus, that you would speak to every single one of us in this room, that every single one of us in this room, Lord, we would leave better than the way that we came in. God, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray, amen. Church, by a show of hands, let me just, I just want to gauge to see who's in the room. By a show of hands, how many people in this room would consider themselves a competitive person? Just raise your hands. Those hands went up so fast, so fast, because you had to be first, Right? Listen, I would consider myself a, a, a competitive person. I do not, do not, and I repeat, I do not like to lose at all. If I think I'm going to lose, I'm just not going to play. Um, I'm a poor sport when I lose. I'll, I'll be honest, you can ask my wife. I'm a poor sport when I lose. I, I like winning. I'm so competitive. This is why I don't play golf. It's exactly why I don't play golf. 
Now, I had a few golfers in the last service get offended at me from this. I was like, why are you offended? Like, you have more tee times because I'm not playing. Like, good for you. You know, I don't play golf because I am not good at it. I have tried to be good at it. I have spent a lot of money trying to be good at it. Uh, I have spent a lot of time trying to be good at it. And I'm just not good at it. I don't understand how on the front nine I can do so well. And then all of a sudden, on the back nine, I'm doing the same thing in my head that I was doing on the front nine. I'm holding the club the same way. I'm hitting the ball the same way. But now, all of a sudden, they're just all going in the water. Or they're going behind me. It doesn't make sense. I'm doing it, so I just don't play golf. Because I'm so competitive, I don't care. It, it's, not about, it's, it's not about the fun of it to me. Um, but I'm so competitive that last week, uh, this past week, my wife and I, we live next to a park in College Park that we take our son to about, about every other night, we'll walk there, and uh, we took him there. It's got, some, it's got some basketball hoops. Well, he is obsessed with this little kid's basketball. He carries it around with him everywhere right now. He's 14 months old. The basketball goes everywhere with him. So he brought it with him to the park. Well, as kids do, he got over it within the first, like, five seconds we were there. And uh, I took the basketball and started shooting some hoops. And uh, I had the dumb idea to go, hey, hey, babe, you want to play, play horse? You want to play, play a game? You want to play a game real quick? She agrees, and uh, my son's just in the background running around in circles or doing something. Uh, so we start playing, and I very quickly realize this was a bad idea. My wife played has- high school basketball. I could not make the high school basketball team. So we very quickly, I start realizing, like, she's going to beat me. She's, she beat me. And um, if you know anything about my wife, she is not a very graceful winner at all. She's just in my face like, oh, oh, you got beat by your wife, you know, just in my face. And I'm like, that's it's cool. That's awesome, babe. I'm so proud of you. Like, it's great. You know, on the inside, I'm dying. On the inside, I'm dying. I'm acting like it's not whatever. But I played three more times because I had to see if I could win. And I didn't. And I didn't. So needs to say, sweetheart, I'm sorry. We're never playing basketball again, ever again. And, uh, <laughs> But I'm so competitive that, that, that it's sometimes, I still say this, I'm so competitive that sometimes I, I, I approach the way I approach games and winning to the way I approach life sometimes. Like if a challenge, if a battle comes in front of me, man, I immediately begin to think to myself, I have to beat this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win at this. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to come up with the best strategy to win at this. I'm going to win at life. And I don't even like go and consult God. I don't even, like, think to myself that, man, maybe I should get on my knees and ask God to help me. But then maybe there's some of you in this room that you're not a competitive person. Maybe there's some of you in this room who are, like, so high faith that when a challenge comes along or a battle or something you're facing comes along in your life, you just think to yourself, my God is a big God, and God's going to take care of this, and he's going to do what he's going to do, and I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to be solely dependent on God. Now, my question, my, my, my question for you is, is what is best? Is it strategy or is it just solely dependency? What is the best way to approach challenges and battles in the life? Well, when you look at the Israelites in this story of Jericho, man, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would venture to say that they had both. They had both the strategy of God and they both had the dependency of God. So when faced with battles and challenges in our life, what's best? Both. Having strategy and dependency. If you're taking notes, write this down. Strategy without dependency puts the pressure on us. Strategy without dependency puts the pressure on us. Here's what I mean. 
those of you in this room who are, who are high strategy, high competitive, high, you know, figuring out things. When the challenge or something arises in your life, what do you do? You immediately, you open up your computer, you go to Google, how to, da-da-da-da-da. What do I do, da-da-da-da-da. Best way to, da-da-da-da-da. Top ten ways to, da-da-da-da-da. Or you go to Barnes & Noble, you go down the self-help uh, book aisle, and you buy all these books, you read everything, you listen to all the podcasts, you listen to all the talk shows, Oprah, Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, which he's not a real doctor, whatever. You listen to all these things, and you just think to yourself, I'm going to figure this out. But you have no dependency on God. So therefore, everything relies on you and, and, and what you can do. But then the flip side is this. Dependency, if you're taking notes, dependency without strategy removes responsibility from us. Dependency without strategy removes responsibility from us. Here's what I mean by that. Those of you who maybe you're so dependent on God that when something comes in your life, you just stand still. You don't take any steps forward. You don't take steps sideways. You don't take steps back. You just stand still and just go, God, you do something. You do it. And your way of fighting a battle is simply locking yourself in a dimly lit room with some essential oils on. You turn on some Bethel and you take off your shoes and you just spin around in circles asking God to win the battle for you. I realized that was weirdly specific. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love Bethel. We sing Bethel. Nothing against them. Anyway, but you're so dependent on God that you just don't do anything. You stay in the same spot. And you expect God just to do everything. And God's like, you have all of these resources around you. Like I've given you instruction. I've given you some strategy. Just take some step forward. Yes, depend on me, but take some steps forward. If you want to see a move of God, you've got to have both strategy and dependency. And if you want to conquer and win the challenges of life, it takes both strategy and dependency on God. So this morning what I want to look at, I want to look at three practical things that the Israelites did when faced with the battle of Jericho. And three things that you and I need to remember when faced with our own challenges in our own battles of life. So the first thing that you and I need to remember when faced with our own challenges of life, if you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing is this, is that remember that we fight from victory, not for victory. We fight from victory, not for victory. God, I love you guys so much. I love you so much. We fight from victory, not for it. You and I as followers of Jesus, as Christians, the fact that Jesus has overcome the world, the fact that he lives inside of us, when faced with challenges, he's already won. He's already won the battle. It's not up to us. It's not up to us. Listen to what John 16, has to say. This is out of the Amplified Bible. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you will have tribulation and you will have distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory is abiding. This is essentially what we see God telling Joshua at the beginning of this message in verse 2. Yes, it is a fortified city. Yes, that this, these, the walls are big. But God says this to Joshua. I have already delivered the city of Jericho into your hands. He's basically saying this, man. Yeah, all this is happening. But hey, I've already given it to you. You've already won the battle. He's saying before you even fight, no, you've won. Encouragement to you and I, before we even begin to fight, when the challenge arises in our life, whenever we face the walls of Jericho in our own life, know this before you even take a step forward, that God has already defeated the enemy in front of you. God has already won. 
I, me and Pastor Josh, when we were writing this message, Pastor Josh is our College Park. Uh, just put it together, Pastor Josh. I love you, man. I love you. When me and Pastor Josh were writing this message uh, this week, uh, he, he, had, he had a great thing in, in looking at it like this. Like, in verse 1, it said that, that the Jericho, they fortified their city. They knew the Israelites were coming because God, the reputation of God, had, had, had gone before the Israelites. They knew who the God of the Israelites were because of all that God had done before. And so they were already fearful of the Israelites. They were already fearful of the God of the Israelites before they showed up to Jericho. Think of it like this. The thing that you fear the most, the challenge that you fear, the battle that is in front of you that you fear, know this. It fears your God. It fears you more than you fear it. Because we fight from a place of victory, not for it. Romans 8, 31 says this. If God is for us, then who can be against us? If God, with God on our side, what thing in the world, what battle, what enemy can come against us when God is right there beside us? Take notes, write this down. You plus God equals the majority. You plus God equals the majority. We fight from a place of victory, not for it. Now, I know a lot of times, maybe you've sat in church and you've heard this before about the fact that, that God has already overcome everything, that God has already won your battles, but maybe you've gone through a battle in your life. With that faith of, man, I'm, I am, I know God's, God's going to bring me on the other side of this. I know that God has already won this. But then the battle doesn't turn out the way you thought it would. Um, you, 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 you don't really understand the victory that God had in this. Well, I say all that to say this, man. The fact that Jesus Christ died on a cross over 2,000 years ago, was placed in a grave for three days. And when he rose again, he conquered death, sin, in the world, and he overcame them all. Man, a lot of times in our life, the victory looks different in God's eyes than it does in our eyes. A lot of times in life, man, we may not even understand the victory on this side of eternity, but when we get to heaven, we will then begin to understand that God knew what he was doing then. I didn't understand at the time, but it all played into his plan. But the fact that you're, let me say this, the fact that when you get to the other side of eternity, the fact that you're standing in heaven, that is like the number one victory. God already beat it. He beat everything that's in your life. When you get to the other side and you're like, oh, God, that's what you were trying to do. Okay, the fact that you're standing there seeing it all laid out before you is a victory in and of itself. And that should be encouragement enough when going through this life. Man, we live in a fallen and a broken world. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. But the fact that when you and I move on from this world, the fact that we have an eternal place that we get to spend with our eternal Savior, man, that is enough victory to know. No matter what comes against me, I know this is not my end. If anything, this is where God comes in. This is where I stop and where God begins. Amen? I will. But all Joshua and the Israelites, all they had to do, and they had to do something, was they had to claim the promise of God, and they had to obey the instructions of God. Listen, if you want to experience a victory in your life, you have to move. You have to take steps. It is more than just sitting there and waiting for God to move. Listen, the Israelites obeyed God's instructions. What are God's instructions for you in this day and age? It can all be found here in God's word. If you want to know how to live your life, if you want to know how to overcome challenges in your life, if you want to know how to make the walls fall down in your life, you can find everything in God's words. That is where his instructions. It's our job to obey it, and it's our God to follow the plan that he has set out 
in front of us. And when you know that you're fighting from a place of victory, and the battle has already been won, it becomes a little easier to remember number two. Remember that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Listen, think of it from, think of it from Joshua's point of view. Think about that he's staring at the walls of Jericho. He's staring at a six-story high wall. He knows it's a fortified city. He knows that Jericho knew they were coming long before they got there. In Joshua, think of it like this. He was a warrior long before he became the leader of the Israelites. So he's probably sitting there thinking, trying to come up with a game plan, trying to come up with the best battle plan to overtake this city. And then God gives him some instructions. If I'm Joshua, I'm thinking God's going to tell me, like, where the weak spot in the wall is. God's going to tell me, like, where the soldiers are asleep on the wall. and You can sneak in and do all that. But the instructions that God gives Joshua is to, yo, walk around in circles for seven days, and I'll give you the city. What? You want us, God, let me get this straight. You want us to walk around in circles, carrying all of this stuff and blowing horns and things like that. You want us to walk around in circles for seven days, and you're going to give us a city. And God's like, yep, that's what I want you to do. So, man, if I'm Joshua on, like, day two or day three, like, I'm going back to God and be like, God, can you just give me, like, like something? Like, when we walk around today, can you make, like, a block fall? Like, can you bring part of the wall down just a little bit? Like, just, just give me something. Just give me something. But God doesn't. But on the seventh day, the walls fell down. When reading this, it made me kind of think of, it made, it made me think of, of, of this kind of analogy. Is there anyone in, anyone in here who, who goes to the gym? Anyone in here who works out? Same with the last service, man. Like, like se- barely anyone raised their hand. All right, guys, we're do- next series we're doing, it's going to be on health. We're going to do a health series, body, soul, mind, whatever it is. But it's like when you go to the gym, right? Like if you, you join a gym, you're like, man, I got to lose some weight. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been eating way too many Papa John's pizzas. Like I, I got I to get things under control. So you go to the gym. You get a trainer. You get on this workout plan. So the first day you go, you just go hard in the paint. Like, you burn, like, 1,200 calories, you run, you lift weights, you do ab work, maybe you, maybe you swim. Man, when you're walking out of that gym, you feel swole, right? You feel like you're the, most, you're the beefiest dude in the world. But then you get home, you're like, man, I got to get a shower, I stink. And you take off your shirt, you look in the mirror, and you're like, what the heck? I look exactly the same as I did before I went to the gym. If anything, I look worse, then the next day, you're like, all right, maybe this is like a first day thing, whatever. Then the next day, you go, you work just as hard. You feel your body sore now. You feel, you feel every muscle that you have. But then you look in the mirror, and you see none of those muscles. You're like, God, man, what the heck? But you stay consistent. You stay steady working out. Then it's, it, how it goes is like three, four weeks later, man, you just get up one morning, and you walk by the mirror. Is this, babe? Hey, come here. All of a sudden, you begin to see results. All of a sudden, where you saw nothing for a little bit, man. This is sometimes how God works. This is sometimes how God builds your faith. God does not work according to our timeline, man. If I'm Joshua, I want those walls to fall down day one, and God's like, "No, nah, just wait seven days. Just wait seven days." Sometimes that's how God works in our life. We see nothing for a little bit. God is like, just hang in there. I'm building your faith. I'm building your faith. You're going to see what I'm trying to do. 
This is exactly how God works in our lives sometimes. This is why we cannot live a life walking by sight. We have to walk by faith. Because when you walk by sight, the enemy will then begin to creep in and begin to trick you. Be like, man, look at everything around you. You really think your God's walking with you? Look, look at that. How can that turn out right? How can God find a victory in that? Man, you might as well just give up now. Just like, you're not going to win this. Just move on. Just, you know what? Just go ahead and give in to it, man. God's not with you. Because when you walk by sight, you have no faith. You have, you have no choice but to look at your circumstances. You have no choice but to look at the things in front of you. But, man, this is where the dependency part comes in. We have the instruction, but we've got to rely on God in our life. We've got to depend on him. There's been so many times in my life and in and, and, and our, our marriage where over the, even the course of the last five years where things have happened that I haven't quite understood why they're happening. And, and, and honestly, I'm, a, I'm kind of sometimes a worst-case scenario person. I begin to think of the worst-case scenario of what could happen. And, man, sometimes it's really hard for me to trust that God is somehow going to come through for me. But at the end of the day, my wife and I, we know that what we're doing, we're walking according to God's plan. We're following his instructions. We've placed our life in his hands. Like, whatever happens, we have to trust that this is a part of his plan. And that ultimately, because we are sons and daughters of him and he is a good, good father, he has what is best in mind for us. So, yeah, man, what I'm looking at, it's terrifying. It's scary. I don't know how God's going to do it. But God's done a lot of things in my life where I had no idea how he was working until the finished product was in front of my face. And so, man, we've had no choice but to walk by faith and not by sight. We have no choice but to trust in God's plan. And here's the thing. If you're taking notes, write this down. When we accept God's plan, we invite God's presence. And that guarantees victory. When we accept God's plan, we invite God's presence. And that guarantees victory. Hebrews 11.30 says this, by faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for, several, for seven days. Listen, by faith, the Israelites experience a victory. And by faith is the only way that you and I are going to experience a victory. So whatever is in front of you this morning, Celebration Church, whatever things you're crying out to God for, whatever walls you're crying out to God, saying, God, bring these walls down, know this. Disregard what you're seeing, but remember the promises of God. Disregard what you've heard and remember. Disregard what you're seeing and remember what you've heard. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Listen, when you learn to walk by faith and not by sight, all you can do is win. All you can do is win. And once you realize that you're fighting from a place of victory, you're walking by faith and not by sight, it becomes very, very, very easy to remember this next thing. And that is simply this. We need to remember that we give God the glory. We give God the glory in every victory. We give God the glory on everything that we have come out on the other side of. After the Israelites shouted and the walls come down, they went into the city. And the Bible says this in verse 21. It says they devoted the city to the Lord. There's no way that when those walls came down that the Israelites could have gone and be like, we did this. We did this. We brought the walls down because they know all they did was just go in circles. That's all they did. They didn't, they didn't even, like, have a chisel. They didn't even, like, bring any of the wall down. The wall just came down because of God and God alone. So what did they do? They devoted their victory to him. They devoted their victory to him. Man, what do we do in our lives sometimes? 
especially, we, especially those of us who have grown up in the church, man, we are so used to seeing God move. We are so used to seeing God do miracles that it's almost become like normal to us a little bit. We are so, when we're not intentional about giving God the glory after a victory, what we can end up doing is beginning to think that we had something to do with that victory. When we come on the other side, when we come out on the other side of it, man, like when we've been crying out to God forever, like, God, give me a victory, and he finally does give you a victory. Sometimes we can get used to the faithfulness of God. Sometimes we can take his grace for granted. And when you begin to take his grace and his faithfulness for granted, you begin to not see the victories in your life. So what happens when you don't give God the glory? What happens when you begin to think that you had something to do with it? Oh, man, or, or maybe it was just a coincidence. Maybe it was luck. You think it was luck or thank God you found that thing or, or whatever. The next time a challenge arises, the next time you find yourself in a valley, which every single one of us will, in order to go from a mountaintop to another mountaintop, sometimes you got to go down into a valley again. Whenever you find yourself in a valley, whenever another Jericho comes into your life, if you thought you had anything to do with the last victory, now it's going to be up to you and you alone to fix, this, to fix it this time. You have no dependency anymore. But when you're intentional about giving God the glory, when you're intentional about saying, God, this was you and you alone. All I did was obey the instructions you gave me. Then the next time a valley comes along, the next time a challenge comes along, you say to yourself, you know what? I had nothing to do with it last time. I have nothing to do with this time. All I can do is obey God and trust that if he can bring me from that, he can take me through this. Because all you can do is win when you're fighting from a place of victory. When you're walking by faith and not by sight, all you can do is win celebration. And when you win, the only thing we can do is to give him the glory. That's one of the reasons we do prayer and praise cards almost every single Sunday here. Because we want to hear what God is doing in your life. If God did a miracle in your life, if God did something amazing in your life, we want you to write that down on a praise card because we want to celebrate with you. We want to give God the glory. We want to read it up here from the stage because here's the thing. Man, when God brings you through a victory, when you've, been, when you've walked through, through, through hell and back and you've come out on the other side and you write this down and you praise God for it, you tell the whole world about it, here's the thing. Most of the time, there's someone who is around you that is probably walking through the same battle that you were walking through. And the fact that God brought you through it can give them encouragement and hope to keep trusting in God, to keep obeying his instructions, saying, man, God brought them through that. He can do the same for me. I can win in this. There's hope for me. And so that's why we started doing these praise cards. You can find them out on your way out. It's on the left-hand side of the lobby. We want to know what God's doing in your life. That's another reason why we're starting something starting today where you can text the word STORY to 25101. It's right here on the screen behind me. Text the word STORY, right? Yeah, STORY to 25101. We want to know your God story. We want to know the victory that God has done in your life. We want to know how you've won in your life through Jesus Christ because we want to share this. We want to tell the world, man. I want to be a church that is known in Orlando. When someone mentions celebration, you're like, oh, yeah, man, I heard about that. Who was telling me? There's a girl in your church who da 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 Man, I heard all about that. Everyone was reposting. I heard all about that. Oh, yeah, man, Celebration Church. Yeah, I know a few people to go. Man, they're telling me all the incredible things that God's doing in the lives of those who are in your church. Yeah, man, I want to be a part of that church. Seems like God's really moving in that church. 
I don't want to be a church that we just come in on Sunday and we just sing some Christian karaoke and we leave and no one knows what the heck's going on here at Celebration Orlando. Because I'm telling you this, we're five years old now. We've had over 1,018 decisions made for Jesus. God's doing something here in this church. And I believe there's a lot of people outside of these doors who need a victory in their life. When there's people sitting inside of these these seats who are sitting in these seats who have experienced a victory that someone else outside of those doors needs to know about. That's the kind of church that I want to be. Because every single one of us, man, we have something that the world needs. What else can you have in your life that no matter what you come against, you know that you've already won? What else can you have in your life that you have this hope, this faith? I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care what that looks like. I know who my God is. And I know what my God's done. I know my God's already overcome this. So, you know what? Devil, forget you. I don't care about that. You can show me whatever you want to. I believe that my God has already won this. So I'm going to walk by my faith, not by, his, not by my sight. And so the thing about all of this is that we're talking about this morning, whether it's we're fighting from victory, we're able to walk by faith and not by sight, that whenever we experience a victory that we can give God the glory. The only way you can experience any of these things is first and foremost by relationship with Jesus. There's no victory outside of Jesus. There's no real faith outside of Jesus. And there's no one to give praise and glory to outside of Jesus. And here at Celebration Church, we don't ever ever let a Sunday go by without giving someone an opportunity to either commit or recommit their lives to Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, there's some of you in this room, I want to give you an opportunity this afternoon to commit your life to Jesus for the very first time. There's some of you in this room, man, maybe you've been visiting church for a while, or maybe you've been in church your entire life. Maybe you've heard about Jesus your entire life, or maybe this is one of the first times you've heard about Jesus and who God is. But there's never been a moment in your life where you've stopped and you've said, you know what? I don't want to live life my way anymore. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to trust in him. I want to trust in his instructions. I want to trust in his strategy. I want to be able to depend on him because I've been doing things my way and I know there's got to be more to life than this. But you've never had a moment where you've given your heart and you've given your life to Jesus and you've trusted him. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to commit your life to him for the very first time. Then there's some of you in this room who you need to recommit your life to Jesus this morning. Maybe you find yourself sitting in, sitting in this seat here this morning. You find yourself far away from God. Maybe you don't even know how it happened. Maybe it was through a series of events. But at one point in your life, you were walking very closely with Jesus. And you trusted in him. And you had faith in him. And you were following after his instructions. But for whatever reason, you picked your life back up and tried doing things your own way. And this morning, you're hearing a still small voice inside of you saying, come back. Come back to me. And that's Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to recommit your life to him this afternoon. So in just a moment, if you want to commit or recommit your life to Jesus, I'm just going to count to three. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask that you raise your hands. Then whenever you raise your hand, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. So if that's you, I already see that hand. If that's you and you want to commit or recommit your life to Jesus, I just want to ask that you raise your hands in one, two, three.
praise him. Amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen. If you just raise your hand and commit or recommit your life to Christ, I just want to ask that you repeat this simple prayer of faith out loud after me. And I'm going to ask everyone else in the room to repeat this prayer out loud after me. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. So I want everyone in the room to repeat this after me. Jesus, I stand before you today asking you to forgive me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Today I choose to live for you. Today I choose to make you my Lord and my Savior. From this point forward, I'm going to live my life, the rest of my life, for you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can we stand to our feet? Can we put our hands together all over this room? Hey, I want to ask that no one leave just yet. We are not done with celebrating and giving God all the glory and honor that he deserves. Listen, we just had a lot of people just raise their hand and make a decision for Jesus. If you are one of those people, I want to ask that right now in this moment, you take out your phone and you text DECIDE to 25101. Because one, we want to celebrate with you. Two, we want to send you every step that you need to take in your relationship with Jesus. But with that being said, y'all, we're about to go out of this place with a loud cry. We're about to go out of this place with a celebration. We're going to lift Jesus up one more time and we're going to party just a little bit more. Jesus, we lift you up in this place, God. We thank you for the victory that you give us, God. We thank you for the fact that we can walk by faith and not by sight, God. So all of the praise, all of the honor, and all the glory is to you. Come on, church. Let's lift our voices and let's get a little undignified. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Orlando or to get in touch with us, please visit celebrationorlando.org.